Purdue humiliated Ohio State this weekend, and hey, in the long run, Ohio State might fire some assistants, but the Buckeyes, with all their tradition and resources, will be fine. What's way more interesting is what this means for the upstart Boilermakers. We check in with Steve Wiltfong for the latest on Jeff Brom's program, and also with our Washington State site on the Cougars' big weekend, and whether they're up to the challenge of being the Pac-12's last best college football playoff hope. It's October 22nd. My name is Connor Tapp, and you are listening to the 24-7 Sports Morning Blitz. Purdue sent shockwaves throughout the college football playoff race on Saturday night by upsetting number 2 Ohio State 49-20 in West Lafayette. Joining us now with more on the Boilermakers is Steve Wiltfong. Steve, when we last had you on to talk about Purdue, they just lost a close one to Northwestern in the season opener. But after knocking off Ohio State, they've won four in a row and are looking like one of the hottest teams in the Big Ten. What's the difference between the team that lost to Northwestern on August 30th and the one that hung one shy of half a hundred on Ohio State? Well, they gave up 31 points in the first half to a Northwestern team that's been anemic on offense that night. And then you turn around and you, you give up just 20 to an explosive Ohio State team led by a Heisman Trophy candidate and Dwayne Haskins. The defense is really playing at a high level now as Purdue's won four ball games in a row and they're in the they're in contention for the Big Ten West Championship right now. Uh, along with Northwestern Iowa, Wisconsin, Purdue, they all have just one loss. So it's gonna be an interesting uh, battle there in the Big Ten West to see who makes it to Indianapolis. Obviously Rondell Moore has put himself in the conversation as one of the most dangerous players in college football, the receiver who had another big game uh, against uh, Ohio State there with 12 catches for 170 yards, had that ridiculous touchdown run where he just pinballed off the Buckeyes defender, scored twice in in this one. And D.J. Knox, a lightly recruited running back out of the state of Georgia, 5'7", 200 pounds, um, didn't have maybe the the, uh, measurables that – major programs were looking for, but was a state champ as a senior, uh, a four-year varsity baseball letter winner. Uh, Purdue gets a steal in Knox, who busted three, who had three touchdowns, including two over 40 yards that kind of put the ball game away. Marcus Bailey, a lightly recruited linebacker out of Columbus, Ohio, had to pick six to put the nail in the, in the coffin. Uh, Marcus Bailey out of the Columbus area. So, uh, Purdue had a lot of players step up in, the, in this ball game, step up over the last month. They're an improved football team, arrow up on, on Coach Brown's team moving forward. Looking back at that Northwestern loss, I don't know that anybody really had a sense of how important that could potentially be when you start looking at Big Ten West tiebreaker scenarios. But as you mentioned, right now, Purdue in the thick of the race to win that division. Is this a team that, and I don't know, it feels like maybe beating Ohio State uh, contending for a division is maybe a year early uh, for where Jeff Brom is in rebuilding this. Or am I wrong? Do you think they have the staying power to be in this race to the end? Well, I would think that if you walked around Purdue's brand-new, gorgeous, plush football facility and you asked folks that worked inside it if, if this Purdue team was a Big Ten title contender this year, I think they would have told you, uh, they're a year or two away as they continue to recruit guys uh, that um, that fit their scheme perfectly. But, look, this is a coaching staff that gets the most out of their players. We saw that last year. It was a team full of guys that 
really only had one Power Five scholarship offer, and that was Purdue. Didn't have much success under Coach Hazel. They win seven games and, and get to a bowl, and now they've won four ball games, including this win over uh, number two Ohio State. So they're maximizing the talent. They, they've added some difference makers like Rondell Moore, quarterback David Blau is playing at a high level, making great decisions. He threw for uh, almost 400 yards in the win over Ohio State. So uh, you, you look at the way Purdue's recruiting right now, too, Connor. They have the number 24 recruiting class in the country in those 24-7 sports composite team recruiting rankings, a team that in our team talent composite is in the 70s right now. They're about to add more speed, more length on defense, just like they did last cycle. But what they're recruiting on offense in this class, along with what they signed last year led by Rondell Moore, you saw the way Purdue – took advantage of a Ohio State team that's loaded with blue chippers on defense in this one. You start adding guys like T.J. Sheffield, who's already committed, and Mershon Rice, who's already committed, along with blue chip receiver David Bell and, and, and speedster Milton Wright out of Kentucky, and, and you got a chance to be really dangerous on offense with, with that kind of speed. The Louisville Cardinals are having a really bad season, and they're thinking about maybe firing Bobby Petrino. I follow some Louisville media on Twitter, and a lot of them seem to think, you know, they're they're really looking at Jeff Brom and what he's doing at Purdue and really coveting uh, seeing him potentially come back home to Louisville. Uh, But for many of the reasons you just described, it doesn't seem like that would necessarily be a slam dunk decision. I know you spent a little bit of time around the program. What is your sense of how difficult, like what, what kind of decision that would be for him? And I've been down to Louisville and they're touching up their facilities down there. Like everybody is in college football right now, Connor, I think they're going to have a brand new stadium uh, additions open for next fall. And where I'm going with that is think of, uh, you know, I've been reading some of these national college football insiders like Pete Thamel who say it would cause Louisville a lot of money to fire Bobby Petrino. Then to to hire Jeff Brown, you got to pay Purdue uh, a, a few million dollars as well. Then you got to pay Coach Brown. So I don't even know if Louisville's got the funds to put it together to make a run at Coach Brown, let alone would he leave what he's building in West Lafayette. All right, Steve Wiltfong is Director of Recruiting for 24-7 Sports. You can find him on Twitter at swiltfong247. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Connor. From the moment college game day went live at 6 a.m. local time for the first time ever in Pullman, Washington, to the final whistle of Wazoo's 34-20 win over Oregon, it was pretty much a perfect day for Mike Leach and the Cougars on Saturday. Here with more on this big win and what it means going forward is Greg Witter of CougFan.com. So, Greg, game day not only goes to Pullman, but Washington State wins the game they were there to cover. What's the vibe from the fan base right now on where this ranks as far as single-day college football experiences? Uh, you know, it's funny. So uh, a number of Cougar fans and I, we've been talking about that that very topic. Where does this rank? And quite honestly, for at least for us old-timers, it, uh, the only thing that really rivals this is the run-up to the 1998 Rose Bowl, the 1997 team with Ryan Leaf, um, the Apple Cup, which secured the first Rose Bowl berth in 67 years, and then, of course, the Rose Bowl itself against Michigan. So in terms of buzz, in terms of excitement, just in terms of general Cougar medium, uh, this week and then, of course, Saturday, um, only only is rivaled by that. We're seeing uh, 
Washington State ranked 14th and 15th in the coaches and AP polls. Uh, we, we're still a couple weeks away from the uh, college football playoff selection committee uh, kind of weighing in, and they tend to view things a little bit differently. But what I see in that 14th and 15th for a one-loss Pac-12 team at this point with coming off a big win is maybe maybe a little bit of skepticism about strength of schedule to this point, maybe a little skepticism about you know Washington State not being Notre Dame in terms of a national brand that is constantly getting overrated times. Um, so, I mean, do you think this Washington State team has staying power in the college football playoff conversation? You know, I'm not sure about the playoff conversation, and, and part of that, of course, is, is the conference. The Pac-12 seems to be viewed as a, a stepchild when it comes to that conversation, generally speaking. So, I think I think there's a bit of an issue there. Uh, in terms of the national brand, you know, I've always felt that preseason polls are, are nonsense because if you're not in, in, in the preseason poll, it's just a, a mountain to climb to work your way through that poll. And Washington State was not in the preseason poll. I, I think in terms of those, they were roughly around 40th or 45th, somewhere in there. So that's a hell of a long climb to go from, from there just to get in the top 25, which we broke into last week for the first time, and now up to 14 and 15. So it's a long road, but to your point, um, I think the first three games probably did not um, work to the Cougars' advantage because it was Wyoming, San Jose State, Eastern Washington, so not the strongest strength schedule there. Uh, But went down to the L.A. Coliseum and lost, arguably, on a a horrific non-call. Beat a really, what is turning into a very, really good Utah team, I think. Uh, And then, of course, the, um, the, the, the game last night with Oregon or Saturday night with Oregon. So we've got, uh, in, in the weeks ahead, we've got Stanford, a uh, pretty good Cal team, Colorado, Arizona looking a little bit better, and then uh, Washington to close it out in the Apple Cup. What, are, what kind of finish are you expecting from the Cougs? Well, quite honestly, um, the, the big question marks coming into the season were the offensive line. They had to replace three starters and the quarterback. So where, we're, where the Cougs were replacing longtime starter Luke Falk. And both of those questions have been answered convincingly the offensive line is playing extraordinarily well and of course Gardner Minshew is explaining playing extraordinarily well uh, on top of that and then on the defensive side Cougars lost Hercules Mata'afa and had some other uh, key losses and they're playing very well they're not super big but they're playing really fast and so right now I don't see any reason to believe the Cougars can't keep on on this pace now does that mean they're going to run the table hard to say Stanford's good. Colorado's good. Uh, Huskies obviously are good. So it'll be a tall order to do that. But this team does not show weakness. Uh, they've got a little bit of swagger about them. So I think it's going to be a really interesting uh, stretch run of, of this uh, 2018 year. This past offseason, we saw Mike Leach having some flirtations with Tennessee. Do you think having a big year this year uh, for Washington State helps kind of solidify his position going forward? Well, his position was really solidified. I think in late December it was. The Cougars uh, gave him a uh, $20 million contract over five years. So that, that was a huge commitment, um, <clears throat> unlike anything Washington State has ever done for a coach uh, prior. So the commitment from the Washington State side is, is, is uh, very big. Really. Uh, what happens on Mike's side, hard to tell once the, the season ends and the dominoes start to fall. Uh, but at the rate he's going, he'll clearly be a candidate for National Coach of the Year. Um, and what he's done at Texas Tech and now at Washington State, which are arguably 
two places that are remote and not necessarily easiest places to recruit to, I think would be attractive to teams. So we'll see, I guess, when we get there. But Washington State has clearly made its, its, uh, its commitment known to Mike. All right. Greg Witter is the publisher of KookFan. You can find all of his work over at kookfan.com. Thanks, Greg. You bet. Great to be with you. One last note before we get you out of here. Kelly Bryant, the Clemson transfer quarterback, visited Arkansas over the weekend. The Razorbacks are, of course, coached by former Clemson offensive coordinator Chad Morris, although Morris and Bryant never overlapped at Clemson. Morris was on staff when Bryant was recruited to play for the Tigers. Details on Bryant's visit over at hogsports.com, and we'll have more on that here on the podcast when Bryant makes a final decision. The Morning Blitz is the daily podcast, so we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning, breaking down the biggest college football stories of the day in a tidy 10 to 15 minute package. You can subscribe to The Morning Blitz on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.